Hey, welcome back to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and, well, a little entertainment. <laughs> I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today, we're lucky and fortunate enough to have Addie Smith from AE Design on the podcast. She's the local resident lighting designer here in Denver, Colorado, and is here to share with us her thoughts on what it means to be a lighting designer her habits and how she goes about work each and every day, and of course, a little behind the curtain action and what she does to evaluate things. Hey, Addie, how's it going? Hey, Sam. What's going on? Oh, just chilling. It's Friday. Are you happy it's Friday? Yes. <laughs> where have you learned? Where have you practiced? In like, you know, 14.7 seconds, how'd you get to where you are today? So I went to school for interior design. I'm originally from Indiana. I moved to Georgia, went to school at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and studied interior design, did an internship in lighting, didn't even know that was a career, loved it. Uh, That internship was in Minneapolis, went back to school, finished my degree, studied abroad in Europe, learned more about lighting, Went up to New York City and was a lighting designer at Fisher and Stone for three years. Worked on lots of high-end hospitality and all sorts of different lighting projects, interior and exterior. And then I wanted to be closer to my family in Indiana, so I moved to Chicago and got connected with Schuler Shook. I was there for a year and ended up meeting my husband. He's a musician and was on tour And I I met him in Chicago and he was from Denver. So I was very quickly going back and forth uh, from Chicago to Denver and ended up getting another connection in Denver and and moved here to be a lighting designer. And I've been here for about four years now. That's awesome. Are you glad that you moved to Denver? Yeah, I think the huge benefit out of all the places I've lived is it's a lot more casual here and the weather is so much better. There's so much more sunshine and the whole professional atmosphere is just a little bit more laid back and, um, you know, you can bring the intensity that you want to the job rather than the job bringing the intensity to you. We're not quite the East Coast in Denver. No, it's it's got more of a West Coast vibe, but since we're in the city, it's still good design. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of cool opportunities in Denver, obviously. At one point, 20,000 people a month were moving here, so it's it's growing to say the least. Definitely. Tell me a little bit about how you fell into lighting. You said you didn't know anything about it, but you took an internship and then you were hooked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in interior design, I took a class or two in lighting design. My professor, she's an IES and ILD member, so she's pretty into it. And uh, I thought that it was the most difficult thing about interior design, the most technical and challenging. And so I thought I'm going to go learn and learn how to do that and figure it out so that I can kind of not suck at that if I, you know, whenever I do interior design. And so I did an internship in it and it was at an architecture firm that had a lighting studio and just fell in love with it and learned learned AGI on that internship and learned kind of the technical stuff that I really wasn't exposed to in school. And then from there, I just learned that there were actual lighting design firms that only did that and decided to keep going down that path until, you know, something comes up that changes my direction. But um, it's been almost 10 years and I'm still here. So 
That's awesome. Lighting definitely gets people quickly and uh, it's hard to leave it, but lighting's a lot of fun. I think you might agree with me there. Yeah. What do you think the most fun thing about lighting is besides the fact that it's the toughest technical part of interior design? Um, I think the most fun thing about it is really the experiential aspect of it and just being able to really transform a space. Um, You could have really inexpensive materials and nice lighting and everything will look nice. But if it's the opposite, really nice materials and not nice lighting, it it is uh, it doesn't look nearly as good. So, I mean, I appreciate the the whole interior space aspect of it and just the style and all of the, I don't know, elegance and experience that it brings to the space. I agree. Lighting definitely can enhance a space. What happens in a dark room? You turn the lights on. Tell me a little bit about your professional career as it's evolved over the last, what has it been, almost seven or eight years now? Mm -hmm. I started at FMS in New York really got introduced to all things lighting at a very, very high level. The level of expertise, the level of quality and standards that are produced in that office um, just really gave me, I would say, a graduate level education on, on lighting design that, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to get if I went to grad school. And so I view that as like the hardest part of my lighting career was the first three years and the most difficult and challenging things I projects I've ever worked on I was working on in the first three years of my career it was a huge learning curve and especially coming from interior design where you know I wasn't super technical it was more creative I was surrounded by a lot of designers that were of the Penn State and CU Boulder caliber with their technical knowledge and so that was intimidating you know I just kept my head down and worked hard and listened to everybody. There's so many resources just across the office. It's a pretty large firm for a lighting design firm and everybody had different experiences. And it was really cool because a lot of people came from different backgrounds. They weren't all just technical, architectural engineering, just from the variety of people as resources and the variety of project types. I worked on more projects during those three years than I probably have since combined. And and that's just kind of the, that was my first taste of lighting. So that's what I thought it all was. I thought that's how it is. You thought lighting was FMS. And then what happened? I think a lot of that intensity has stayed with me my whole career. And I try to bring that level of expertise and professionalism to whatever project I'm on, whether it's worthy of it or not. And um, whether the, you know, the fee and the budget allow for it or not, I try to just be as efficient as I can and, and just bring that quality. I mean, I can't say that it was much different at the, at the other firms that I've went to. I went to Schuler Shook and there, um, you know, there are people who used to work at FMS who were there um, who were incredibly inspiring. And, and there were different people that had different backgrounds. There's a lot of people with theatrical lighting backgrounds and the difference in creativity and the way that they bring the colored light to the table and just think about things like a little bit more theatrically, I think that has also influenced uh, my perspective on lighting. Sure. There's definitely different places that people come from in terms of a design profession, whether or not it's academia or falling into it from another industry. You mentioned theater, uh, interior design, engineering school. It's definitely interesting to see that at 
certain people have different perspectives. And I think it's really cool that you had an opportunity so young in your career to get exposure to so many different things. As you were part of a team and you experienced different environments, do you feel like that you picked up certain things along the way from different individuals and you were able to kind of put that in a bucket to execute on what you do today? Or is it is it just constantly evolving and you find resources from all over the place? Yeah, so I think it started, I would say the lighting design process is what sticks out to me is the strongest kind of thing that's, it's still evolving, but something I learned early on. And I think it started for me actually when I was in school at SCAD because they're they're known for their interior design process and their theory. Um, just the way that I approach a problem and approach design and think about uh, the process for moving from concept to creativity and starting big picture and then getting down to the details and solving problems. I think that problem solving process is really um, something that I learned at school. I brought with me and like barely started to even understand when I was in New York. And then um, just over time, as I've been able to gain more of a leadership role on projects and and really gain my own ideas um, on the project, I've really been able to create and fine tune my process. And I think the coolest thing about it is that anything is possible. If you can think of it with LEDs, you can do it and you just got to mock it up. And I think that's like the most exciting part about lighting is that, you know, you can think of anything and anything you want to do. If you can do it and if you can convince someone else to, to believe in your idea, it's amazing what you can come up with. Lighting is definitely on the creative side of things when it comes to design. And I agree with you, mocking up is something that's very important. You constantly hear from lighting designers. I'm sure that along with mock-ups, there's a few other things that you you probably circle around and you've settled in on maybe some habits or maybe a, a way of looking about how to, how to be a lighting designer and what you do to go about your day every day. Walk me through a little bit about what you do to maybe establish your day and how you, you work on what you prioritize. So organization is a little bit hard for me. It's something I've always, uh, always struggling to, um, to prioritize because I get excited about whatever I'm working on. From that perspective, getting into the office, starting my day, I go through all my open emails and try to understand what's open and on the table. I usually already have planned out what tasks that need to be done for that day. They're in my calendar the week prior split out you know for all my different projects and so getting on top of anything new that's come in is the first thing and then um, tasks that I have whether it's a call with a client or uh, calculation that I need to run or coordinating fixture samples that I need to see it's all fair game at, at that point and I usually I'm very by the calendar and that's my own calendar that I set for myself and I try to stick to that as best I can so that I don't go over you know time and fee on projects and make sure that I'm getting the things done that I need to get done that week usually uh, there'll be another time I'll sit down and look at the bigger picture and kind of plug all those things out you know for longer periods of time so that I can make sure the overall timeline is going to work well but I would say I one thing I try to do every day maybe not every day but at least 
several times a week is look at products. I've kind of set up a, a product demo with our reps where they come in every other week and bring in new products. And it's really, really important for us to be able to look at products and see them, touch them, feel them, try them out, let the rep go away and let us really critique them and see what we like about them test the dimming, all that kind of stuff. So I would say that is really important and you don't really get to bill for that time. So as much as possible, I try to build it in to uh, my education and just my schedule so that I'm always seeing things. And I have a terrible memory, but for some reason I can remember everything about products. I don't know why. It must be that visual acuity you have to always look at light and understand and maybe a little bit of a photographic memory. Yeah, I think it's actually experiential. Like I remember my experience with the light (laughs) and, um, you know, I remember if I liked that color or not, if I liked the beam spread on that or not, if I liked how it dimmed or not. And if it's a not, it immediately is out of my brain. Boom, poof, it's gone. Don't want to use it. Can't touch it anymore. But if it's something that's like glowing, it's like, uh, it's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Do you have, do you have a bucket of like a pot of gold where you put all your favorite light fixtures? Uh, it's just a bucket in my brain. Just a bucket in your brain. Yeah. Must be uh, what on the right side? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. There is a bucket for the left side to make sure everything works. That's important because without right, what would left be? No, I, let's not go there. No, we're not going to go there. So with the bucket in your brain, there's obviously a lot of light fixtures and luminaires that you've evaluated. By the way, what should I call them? Light fixtures or luminaires? Fixtures. Fixtures. Okay, we'll go with fixtures. Um, there's a lot of fixtures that you've evaluated. What's your What's your process like to walk through a fixture, whether it, it shows up on your desk or you just see a picture of it maybe? Walk me through how you discover something and then evaluate it. And do you evaluate it in general or specifically for a project? How it comes up is usually I'll hear about it from maybe something like LightEye or uh, I'll hear about it from a rep. And then... uh, What's (laughs) LightEye? You can tell us later. Okay. Um, No, I'll hear about it or I'll see it in a magazine or something. I'll see it uh, at a trade show. And that'll usually pick my interest enough to follow up with a rep or follow up with somebody and say, hey, get me a sample. Um, At this point, it's not usually for a project. It's just something that I know I would want to use and I could use on future projects. And it looked the initial impact of it seemed like it was a really good idea. And so that's generally I'll think of that first, see the product somewhere, try to get my hands on it, get a sample. And then, um, I I mean, I follow up with everybody that I meet at trade shows and tell them this is the product I liked. I try to make those connections directly with the manufacturer. Um, it's just, it's just easier sometimes to get the most direct information. Uh, A lot of times I like to customize fixtures and just understanding what the capacity is and who the right people to talk to is so much easier to just have that information up front um, and it, it just saves a lot of time so I do that for my own efficiency but anyway once I get a product I'll take it to the dark room and plug it in make sure I've got a dimmer and I'm I'm really looking to evaluate a lot of different things um, which is why it's so important to have the actual physical sample um, I'm not just looking at, at the light I'm looking at how the fixture 
mounts, what the accessories are, how the lens or the reflector looks, if it's got glare, if it's if I think it's too glary, if it's too flashy. Um, and then I'm also looking at the beam angle. Um, I typically want to get a spot and a wall washer. Those are the two optics that I'm testing out on products. Uh, anyone can give you a fixture with a floodlight and it'll look good, but it, it really matters what the spot looks like because that's where you're going to get the dramatic lighting. So I like to look at the beam angle on that, see how tight the beam is. I'll usually hold it up to the wall. Then I like to look at the field angle of the beam and, and the if it's soft, if it needs a spread lens. These are all things that I'm thinking in my head, okay, if I use this product, I need a, I need a softer lens, I need a more, I need a baffle, I need a hex louver, I need a snoot, all of these things. Totally, so you try to figure out what this does in just about every single scenario. And as you said, it's an experience and you remember that experience so that later you can apply it to a design. Yep. Yep. And I'm not really looking at it for a specific application. I think that depending on the type of product, my mind tends to go down the rabbit hole of like, if this, then that. And so if it looks like this and it acts like that, can I use it like this? And can I use it like that? And, um, you know, is, oh, I love that. Is it wet rated? Oh, I love that. Can I get a, a snoot with it? And then all these questions just start coming up. Do you feel like you ever have the opportunity to answer all your questions at once? Or is it always kind of an opportunity to explore? And does it ever become an annoyance because you just wish they answered all your questions right off the bat? Um, I think sometimes when I'm reviewing samples, I wish I had everything right there so that um, I could see it and test it. It's just so much more efficient. I think that was one of the benefits of living in a big city like New York was a lot of the national headquarters and accounts were in New York. So you didn't just get the sample kit that was available. You could request exactly what you wanted to see. And it was much easier to make that happen quickly. I would rather have everything available right away. But, you know, a huge part of lighting design is only being able to work with what the information you have and being able to go as far as you can, given, you know, what little information you have from the architect or uh, manufacturer and then, you know, building up on that over time. So in an ideal world, you'd have everything. It sounds like that's not always the opportunity. What would you say your minimum requirements are to evaluate something? It needs to be dimmable. You need to be able to turn it on. So many people come into our office and sit there and talk for 10 minutes about a product. And I'm like, just turn it on and let me look at it. Like, you don't have to talk. We are smart enough to figure it out and, you know, tell us about all the options. But it's better if you can show us. Lead by example. Exactly. Show people what's going on. Once you take that opportunity to review a product and you file it in your bucket of ideas, um, lighting design comes along. There's a project that opens up. How do you evaluate a project and figure out where you're going to start on lighting designer? So first steps are, I like to look at... Um, I mean, it's kind of different if it's a residential client versus commercial uh, where you're dealing with a company and a brand and all of that. But either way, I really just like to hear from either from the client or from the architect or interior designer what the project is about from a big picture standpoint and really figure out what the values are that the project is trying to, to become. And from there, 
I will try to build on that as like the thesis, so to speak, and work backwards from there. It's like, okay, now how can the lighting from an aesthetic standpoint, from a functional standpoint, and from like an architectural geometrical form standpoint, how can it build on those ideas and support, you know, those big picture things? And so I think those are kind of like, what are the core values of the, of the client and the, or the, you know, the homeowner and how can the lighting support that? And that's really vague. That's really, that's, I'm not, I'm not thinking fixtures at that point. I'm thinking, uh, space and form and experience. And that's kind of where the goals come from. So I like to figure out what my one, two or three top goals for the lighting design is. And those come from the core values of the project. And with that, I think you just mentioned something that's very interesting that maybe is overlooked sometimes. Lighting design isn't picking fixtures out. Absolutely not. Fixtures are a part of it, but the design process starts with understanding the values of the project and evaluating the space and its needs. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's something that I think uh, you could just put lights in a space, but if you think about the effect of the lighting in the space, it will go much, much, much further. And that's really what I think you're passionate about and you and all other lighting designers choose to focus on every day. And it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I think you can bring that to a big or a little project. It doesn't have to be blowing the budget. It doesn't have to be, you know, really fancy headquarters for an office or something. You can take that idea of what are the core values of your client and kind of distill out what your lighting goals are from there. And you can use expensive or inexpensive fixtures. It's really, I think people come to lighting designers for the value that they bring about the lighting design and that that aspect that I'm speaking to specifically, um, because you could go to anybody to help you pick out fixtures. And I think being seeing being seen as more of a partner with kind of the the lead architect and the client as kind of like building the bridge with them and bringing in ideas at the same level and expertise that they're thinking at is so much more valuable than someone who I don't want to say just but someone who's just picking out fixtures. Sure and if you're just picking out fixtures there's obviously a purpose that's served there but it may not necessarily complement a design process that's been well thought out and I'd just love to get your thoughts on what it means to really think through an actual design in terms of illuminating a space. So I like to think about it as a composition. Um, I'm an artist, I do painting on the side and um, you know, I'm constantly changing the composition of my home and space and I think of everything as, you know, I went to school, the first two years were fundamentals of art and design and so things like creating a foreground, middle ground and background, uh, you know, just basic elements and principles of art that I bring to my process in creating a composition, like that's really what drives what decisions I want to make and what things I want to light in a space. And so knowing, you know, you're working with a three-dimensional space, you've got planes of walls and a floor and a ceiling, and uh, you can choose to use light to highlight different aspects of that depending on the architecture. 
and the form of the architecture like to me that's that's one of the most fun parts about it is saying okay let's light this and balance that and accent this and create a special moment over here and you know really think about the experience and how someone moves through a space and they experience light do you think that you have any general rules of thumb when it comes to doing your lighting design or does it play more into rules of thumbs in terms of the process um, I mean, general rules of thumb, I, I think about things in layers. So I think about the composition first and the experience first. And then I think about light levels and functionality. Some people may approach that opposite where they think, okay, functionally, what do I need first? And then how do I want to experience this space? But I think the experience is more important. And then you just, you have to make the technical work. I will say I was taught very early on that anyone can do foot candles and anyone can be technical and be taught the technical, but you can't be taught the creative. That has to come from your own vision. And so I think the rules of thumb, trying to give it, keep it simple here, think about the layers of light and what surfaces you want to light in the space and how that creates the experience. Work backwards and figure out how much light you need for that task. Whether the task is simply to look and enjoy the thing or to cut vegetables on the counter. Um, Think about the foot candles next. And then from there, I like to think about how how is the fixture going to work in the inst- in terms of construction and installation and maintenance so those are all kind of tertiary the idea needs to be solid first and then you got to make it work and so making it work is foot candles and then making it work is how is it getting installed does it make sense where's the driver you know all of those sorts of functional questions. That's great to hear your thoughts on how there are some rules of thumb and lighting. Let's take a quick break and we'll get right back to it and jump into how you manage your projects with owners and holding your specifications. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. This podcast is brought to you by LightEye, a new idea that's a hub and a tool for designers that not only inspires you, but keeps you up to date on what's new in the lighting industry with quick two-minute videos. I mean, think about it. During this podcast, you could have watched probably a dozen videos with LightEye. Check us out at www.lightei.com. Um, you know, what, what's the most effective way that you communicate with your clients? How do you hold your specifications? Because you go through this process of a design and you've really thought about a lot, but then ultimately there's more behind it than this is it. This is how fast it can ship and it's maintenance friendly. That's a lot, a lot to bring together. But I think as long as I started with goals that were cohesive and support the client, Um, and their perspective and objectives, um, and I get them on board with those goals early, they will support the ideas that we present and the solutions that we present. It's just a matter of saying, we're all on the same page that this is what needs to happen to achieve the goals that you want for the space. And this is our approach to how that can happen. And then I think, I mean, there's lots of things you can do you know, to hold your specifications. Um, I don't think I can go into all of those right now, but I will give a plug. The ILD has a great resource called Specification Integrity, which you should definitely check out. Um, But I mean, the biggest thing 
once you once you get the client's buy-in, when things come come down the road and VE has to happen and everything's too expensive. I think it's our job to advocate for the ideas that everybody agreed to at the beginning. And it's also our job to be reasonable and, you know, listen to what the actual issues are with the design. I mean, what you put out is not perfect and there's always room to nudge and tweak and nip and tuck things. And I think, uh, let's see another a mentor in the past told me uh, major on the major and minor on the minors so go for the big things that really have the most impact and put the money where everyone's going to see it and feel it and then you know prioritize from there and and spend less money and be reasonable and make adjustments and don't have an ego about your design yeah i think there's a lot that can come into lighting design highlighting the important spaces and maybe not necessarily worrying about spending money in the back of house spaces you're still doing a lighting design for every single space regardless of how much money is spent to achieve that effect and i think that's something that's really important and it's fun to hear your opinion about it and how you really get on board with clients early now having said that not everybody has the chance to get on board with a client when they want to and i'm sure you've had some of those experiences as well how do you approach getting in front of your clients if maybe it's not as early as you want it to be but there's still an opportunity so i think what i do is i start asking questions i just ask so what's the budget so what's the goal for the lighting in this space sometimes we'll get projects where they come and they've already the architect has already got a lighting layout and you know they think they know everything and it's uh it's laid out and they just want you to, you know, spec the fixture. And I think the more I can come to the table with an open mind and just ask questions, like, what were you thinking here? They start to realize that I've got more that I'm thinking about that maybe they didn't think about. And so then they start asking me questions and it just kind of opens up this conversation and then they realize, oh no, I didn't think about any of this. I really need to get like let's set up a meeting with the owner let's get you like we need to because they realize that they aren't the best person to articulate those questions to the owner and it's I mean it's so efficient to have a lighting designer come in and just you know drill through a lot of things that many times get overlooked what's what's the number one thing you think it's overlooked in lighting I think the idea that all fixtures are equal and that the price doesn't really matter like a $400 fixture and a $100 fixture are the same and we should just go with the $100 fixture because it looks like the $400 fixture. Because looks are only part of the equation? Yeah, looks looks are what everybody cares about because that's what they see. How it works and how it stands up over time and how things might change about it over time and how it gets installed and maintained. Like there's so many things that go into a decision when you're deciding what fixture to use. That's why that's why VE is so frustrating because nobody understands, you know, every single thing you thought about. You're VEing a design, not just fixtures. It's fixtures and design and both need to be equally considered. Yeah, sometimes. And and sometimes we'll try to get around VE by saying, well, why don't we cut out this aspect of the design so we can keep 
the level of fixtures and quality uh, throughout the rest of the project. So we might cut out under cabinet lighting or some, you know, something just so that we don't have to go through and change everything uh, to a, a less superior product. So there is always an opportunity to maybe revise the design so that everything else can stay the way it is. Yeah. And, and what I like to do, I like to put in as much as I can um, and then have b- back pocket VE items, things that I'm willing to put on the table to negotiate so that, you know, when that comes along, I've already built something in that I can say, oh, well, I've got this other fixture right here. Like, let me suggest what the VE option is and you'll save this much money. Or let me suggest that we choose not to do this lighting technique, but we do that one instead. I mean, it sounds to me like you think about the budget, the design, the fixtures, everything from the beginning. And that's really what the true value of that lighting designer is. Yeah, it's it's very strategic and it's hard to break down the thought process because I think it's like it's rules of thumb, but it's kind of abstract and it's not a linear process. No two buildings are the same. I mean, design can't be a function of uh, rinse and repeat. Every project is different, isn't it? Yeah. And that goes for lighting design as well. I mean, a downlight's a downlight. You can just put it everywhere, can't you? No. No, not at all. With all of the wisdom that you've given us today and what it means to holistically look at design and how it's a process and how you can't just do one thing and not do another, we've spent eight years working on things. What might you have that would be a dream for this industry? Transparent pricing. (laughs) I think it would be fabulous to immediately and fabulous and efficient and worth everyone's time saved trying to figure out what pricing is if it was available and everybody understood it from the client to the architect, interior designer, to the owner, to the lighting designer and the rep. I mean, everybody needs to be on the same page. And that is the dream. I can design something to a budget if I know what it costs. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are probably listening to this that understand what you're saying. But for people that may be scratching their head saying, what do you mean pricing isn't transparent? Just give me a little bit of perspective on on how you feel it is today and what you want it to become. So we design to a budget at our office, and if we don't have a budget, we give a budget that is what we think it should be for that level of finish and the type of project. And, you know, we can make some assumptions and understanding what fixtures cost. I mean, there's a quantity on the layout that you've got and understanding what price is associated with each of those fixtures um, is critical to understanding what you can and can't do in the lighting design. So if I want to light everything up, well, when you light everything, you light nothing. But if I wanted to light up key components uh, in the composition, I could use a fixture that's this much money or that much money, and they would both do a pretty decent job. But if I really wanted it to do a great job and, you know, be really exact and, you know, truly a custom design, there's limited options with, with the pricing. And so, so long story short, we are given a, a price by a sales rep. And then from there, there are markups, understandably so, by distributors, by electrical contractors, and by the sales rep. So everybody does a part and they all help in getting information for that stage of the process. And I think that that's really important and all of those roles are necessary. I think 
people are starting to try to get more creative about how who they can cut out of that to save money. Um, but I think the most frustrating part is that the numbers that we're given and we use to calculate our budgets are not necessarily the numbers that we can give our clients and just say, well, here, this, this is the budget. It seems to be less kosher for lighting designers to share budgets with their clients because that typically needs to come from a contractor or someone who's actually going to build it. Is there other costs associated, um, you know, outside of just the cost of the fixture? So um, I think long story short, it's going through the process and through many different hands and everybody needs to get paid for what they do. But that needs to be like a set amount that everyone can trust and rely upon so that when we deliver a lighting design to a client, we can truly tell them, yes, this is to your budget. Yes, you can afford this. You know, not have to go through and spend, you know, double the amount of time trying to figure out what things cost. And lighting isn't like concrete. It is not priced the way something, you know, other pieces of the construction industry are priced. Absolutely. There's, to to your point, there's a light fixture in it and it has a cost associated with it. And then it goes through hands and the price changes and just maybe having transparency in terms of how that process happened and what the markups were would help you do a better job as a designer on the front end to deliver a product the first time around and not have to waste everybody else that's involved in that process in VE and reevaluating things. Now, obviously lighting is just one part of a project and if projects go over budget, people ask everybody to kind of cough up a little bit at the table. But as you mentioned, uh, good design can build that in from the beginning. Exactly. And, it, and if we as a designers know the prices right away, um, rather than having to send an email to someone every single time we need to know the price of something, um, we could be so much more efficient in in our process we could probably charge less honestly and with efficiency obviously brings you the ability to work on more projects and affect uh, how people just experience places in general at a higher level because good lighting is present yeah well thanks for joining us today addy it's been great to learn a little bit more about you your history your passion for a lighting designer and how you work on a daily basis to execute not only good ideas but turn them into finished projects it'll be really fun to continue to watch you as you become a more well-known designer in denver and uh, build some beautiful commercial and residential projects what's the best way for us to follow along with your journey and also just reach out to you if anyone has any questions Yeah, so you can uh, check out our AE Design online. It's www.aedesign-inc.com. We're also on Instagram, and that is at aedesign underscore inc. And then my personal Instagram, I've got at underscore Addy, A-D-D-I-E underscore Graham. And uh, that's where I post my lighting inspiration. And then I've got at studio underscore Adelia, A-D-E-L-I-A. And that's my art Instagram. And your art isn't just lighting, is it? It's uh, No, that's paintings and, and fun stuff. It's a, a whole nother part of the creative side of Addie's mind that we probably should talk about sometime. Maybe. <laughs> it's exciting. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Addie. Keep in touch and we'll see you soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Light Pod. Stay tuned for more stories about people in the lighting industry, what they're working on, 
what their accomplishments are, and what they're facing each and every day. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Until then, cheers. Cheers.